Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Um, well, we are in uh, a series we kicked off a couple weeks ago um, that we we're referencing as poetic. And with this, we're looking at some of the poetic language of the scriptures. We're looking at how um, God has spoken to us in ways to help us understand who he is and to understand his nature um, in a deeper way. And with a, a lot of that, is, it's uh, the scriptures because it's written, well, then it has to use things that are um, metaphorical things that are help us to understand. And so as we kicked off in the very first uh, week of this, um, you know, some of these things are, I mean, the, these connections um, that God does want to be a father to us. He doesn't, he's not like a father. He is a father to us. But other things um, like, you know, Jesus and you know, how long have I wanted to, to gather you like a, like a hen gathers her, her, her little chicks under her wings, um, God's not a feathered creature wanting to gather us. Uh, That is something to help us understand the heart and the nature of God. And so that's kind of what we've been doing is just looking at some of these key critical metaphors for God as we are um, moving forward. So if you've got your bulletin, if you've got your Bible app, however it is you're going to track with us that we've led off with this idea that God uses things we see and know to help us to understand him, even though God is bigger and more wonderful than things that we can see and know. But the only way we can begin to, to connect with this is with things we see and know takes our experiences, things throughout life, and helps us to say, hey, um, you can see me, a little facet of me in this, and a little facet of me over here. Um, every week we're going to use this, this picture because I think it really helps us a lot. Um, that, that we've got this picture of this cylinder here. And with this, um, we see that, you know, you shine the light on this cylinder from one side and it it's true that it has Nate has attributes um, of a square, and it will put an image and a shadow of a square. And if we stopped there, we would think that the actual object was a cube or a square or a piece of paper cut into a square. We would it would only be square, but as we continue to look and we find other things that are true, well, then we see another angle and we see another thing that's all of a sudden it's a, it's, it's a circle. And if that had been our only information, we'd have been convinced that maybe it was a, that it was a sphere, that maybe it was some sort of some sort of a circular thing. And then the people who had only seen the two sides and not been able to try to figure out how to blend these together, these two would be arguing like crazy. The old, the old square camp would be telling the, you know, the old heretical circle camp, 
you people are crazy. I don't know how you get a circle out of this. There's no way you can get a circle out of those four distinct 90-degree cornered lines. You people are crazy. You, are, I, I, you just, get, just get away from me. I don't even want to talk to you about this anymore. And that happens all the time when really what we have to do is begin to meld these together. And the truth is found where these things come together. So as we are looking at the scriptures and looking at these different things that are each individually true about God, our heart wants to know the truth about God. And God wants to reveal himself in a very real way. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. We can't say, well, because I can't see God himself, well, then, you know, God, if God wanted to be known, he ought to just fully reveal himself, and, you know, and, and it's, it's not my fault that I don't know about God. No, this says that every person, if you have any kind of desire to know about God, then you would you would be you're without excuse. I mean, we've all seen how you know kids walk through the living the messy living room, you know, and they just put blinders on their eyes because if they notice things, they'll have to clean it up and help pick up. And now my wife is looking at me with this incredulous look on her face that apparently I can walk through the living room with blinders on and go, if I don't see it, I don't have to pick it up. And so, but it's there, it's apparent. And when it's all said and done, she'll call us out and say, look, you are without excuse. I don't have to be the only one that picks up the empty water bottles around the house. Um, And so I don't have to be the only one that folds the blankets in the living room. And so in that space that if we'll just have a desire to want to, to, to see, God can be seen. But if we just try to ignore it, even at that space, we're, we're without excuse. And, but some of these things that there are, there's more than initially meets the eye. And this is God's invisible qualities. We hit on the truth last week that the thing is, is what makes you you is your invisible qualities. There are physical qualities we can immediately see about you, but we don't really know you until we know your invisible qualities, your personality, your sense of humor, your lack of a sense of humor on some fronts, your, your desires, your dreams, your hopes, all of these different things, those are the things that really, that really make you you, your invisible qualities. So the idea that God has invisible qualities, I mean, that just goes along with just with every person we know. And that's where God wants to be revealed. He wants that to be shown. But sometimes we need some help in understanding what's there. Um, I want to show you something right quick. I've got a a picture right here um, of a dent. And sorry, my suburban windows are so dirty. And so you just hate to wash off the evidence that it does rain in this area, you know. Those little dirt streaks are a reminder. It rains here. Um, or maybe that came from a water sprinkler. I don't know, but no, it's, it's a rain this week. Aren't y'all grateful we got some rain this week? Bless God. And so, um, but yeah, well, the t- 
top of the driver's side door um, has a dent. That dent is pushing to be 10 years old. Um, that dent has been there a long time. I'm not going to get that dent fixed. That is my favorite dent. I know you identify with it because you've got a favorite dent too. We all have a favorite dent. Okay, maybe not. Thanks for the picture. Maybe I'm the only one. But the reason that is my favorite dent is because of how that dent was created, how that dent was made. And so at the time, I, Cutie was the primary driver of that vehicle, and you can make that picture go away. And so um, the, uh, Cutie was the primary driver of, that, um, of the vehicle, and um, she had loaded up Colin, our 10-year-old, um, into the uh, Suburban. Um, uh, she was a baby at the time, and so this was Dent's almost 10 years old. So she's a baby. She puts her in her little car seat. Um, Cutie doesn't go anywhere without a big glass of tea. So uh, she loves to have her, she needs to stay hydrated. And in a 100-degree temperature, we all need to stay hydrated. But, uh, so, but in loading everything up, she had done the classic set the tea on the hood. You know, we've all done it at some point. Maybe not. Maybe it's just us. <laughs> the tea's on the hood. And so she gets into the car, has to back out, and sees the tea on the hood. And immediately, as it's already in reverse, throws the door open to jump out and grab the tea. With the Suburbans in reverse, it begins to back. It begins to push her. The open door pushes her. She's hopping on one leg. Our daughter is in the back seat. And this would have not played out well at all except the door was open. There was a pillar there in our carport. Catches the door, stops the activity, and saves my wife from being knocked down, potentially run over and our daughter alone shooting into the street. All of what could have happened just was just so overwhelming and Cutie was really concerned to show me this dent. She was like, friend, something happened. I need to show you something. And she was really freaked out to show me this dent. And just in light of what could have happened. I'm just like, I am so thankful. That is the, that was one of the best scenarios that could have ever happened is that door getting crinkled because anything else that would have played out did not happen. And every time I see that dent, when I get into my car, I see that dent. I'm so thankful that what could have happened didn't happen. But anybody else that walks up to my vehicle and sees this dent, they're like, when's pastor ever going to fix this dent? This car's messed up. This, car's, this, this car has, has, has taken a beating. And I don't see the car having taken a beating. I see the car having, been, having had it sacrificed itself on behalf of those I love. All of a sudden now it's completely different. All of a sudden now through the lens that I see that, I see it as love. I see it as grace. I see it as protection. I don't see it as loss to its beauty or its function. I see it as something wonderful. And a lot of times what we need as we're going through the scriptures is we will miss places where God's love, his grace, his mercy just is 
fully on display. But if we don't understand the backstory, if we don't understand those things, we miss it. We miss it. So we're going to get into some of these spaces as we move forward. And today, the metaphor that we're going to be looking at um, is called the metaphor of the vine and the branches. And so as we get into this, when you think about your life, you have hopes, you have dreams, you have these desires. And when we get down into that, the stuff that motivates us to, to do life, um, they're the things that we want to come out of our lives. They're the things, it's, it's the legacy, it's the impact, it's the fruit of our lives. That's what we want. When it's all said and done, we want our lives to have been fruitful. On some level, we want our days to have mattered to at least somebody. We wanted there to be an impact in somebody's life, and we are hardwired for that. We're hardwired for that. Nothing is more depressing than to look at your life and feel like it is completely fruitless. It's completely fruitless. And that's ultimately what the enemy wants to keep us in a place, chasing our tails, going after things that don't really matter, so that when all the dust is settled, we didn't live out the assignment and the call that God had on our lives. Because here's the truth. As God built you and created you, to bring a little piece of heaven into this space in a unique way. That is what your call and your assignment is. Whether it is simply in the immediate relationships that you have. Let's say that none of our lives, none of our lives had any bigger impact than the 10 people closest to us. The 10 most family friend, the 10 people closest to us. Let's say that nobody's life, the most influential person on the planet, all of a sudden their impact, their footprint, their influence gets pulled to the 10 most intimate relationships in their life. Could the world still be changed forever? if all of us lived to impact the 10 people closest to our lives? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Studies show as, as the world is getting smaller and smaller, we're all only six or seven degrees separated from one another. Each of us on the planet is only six or seven human connections from every other individual on the planet that we could actually, if we wanted to, we could begin to make a connection and, and actually say, I know this person who knows this person who knows this person, and we could, would have to get further than six or seven to get to the almost eight billion individual people on the planet. So if you and I can be connected with every person on the planet and we just cared for and were fruitful with the 10 people closest to us, then the assignment of God on our lives could begin to cascade and spill out and transform the world. What we don't need 
is simply more people with bigger platforms and more influence. We need more of us to take the platform we do have and begin to use it and own it and minister in it. They already exist. The platforms, the fear of contact, it already exists. We don't need something new. We need to embrace what we already have. And that is where change happens. That is where revival happens. That was where the fruit that God has called us to carry happens. But it only happens, this only happens if we follow through and embrace what this parable has to say, what Jesus has to say, because our lives are only fruitful in Jesus. They're only fruitful in Jesus. Jesus tells us in John 15, Now, remember, this is part of what he's saying to his disciples. This is part of the upper room conversation. In fact, this part of the conversation, um, Judas Iscariot has already taken off to betray him. He's already excused himself from the space. And so he's not with the 12. He's with the 11 at this point. And he's talking to his 11. He's pouring this into his 11. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. This is such a beautiful Simple, easy to get metaphor. Where's the challenge? Living it out. The challenge is living it out. Making sure that every aspect of our lives is found and flowing out of who he is. Making sure that we are conscious that we're a branch of his fruitful vine. None of us are dumb enough to sit there and to to go to your neighbor's, you know, amazing grapevine, okay? Cut a little chunk off of it, go put it on your kitchen counter, and wait for grapes to appear. Well, we, we know it doesn't work that way, that that branch was going to produce grapes. There were going to be grapes until It was disconnected. The branch didn't fail. The lack of connection brought the failure. Our lives, when we begin to see that they're not fruitful, so many times we want to beat ourselves up. I have no talent. I'm not this. I'm not that. I need to change this about me. There are other branches being fruitful, There must be something wrong with me. No, the fruit comes from staying connected. We could sit there and we could could give that, that disconnected branch every little bit of nutrients. We could put it near every little bit of fertilizer it needed. We could we could give it the sunlight, we could give it everything it needed. But if it's not connected, there's not going to be any fruit. It's just not going to happen. So you and I. Our number one focus isn't about 
trying to all of a sudden better our branch, fluff up our branch. Our focus is just to stay connected with the vine. If we'll stay connected with the vine, the fruit comes automatically. The fruit is part of that. If we don't stay in him, apart from him, we can, we can do nothing. Now, thankfully, here we've gathered people who value Jesus. That's why you're in this room, because you value Jesus. So you're like, well, you know, Pastor Brandon, I, I, I want this. Um, here is our issue. I do it too, is that we'll sit there and we'll want to stay connected to the vine. And then all of a sudden, because of our connection to the vine, if there's something we want to be able to reach, that connection to the vine doesn't let, doesn't fit within its sphere. And so we're like, give me just a second. And come over here and try to impact and reach and do something that a genuine connection won't allow us to do. And that, for you and I in this room, is our challenge over and over and over again. Spiritually, all of a sudden, somebody upsets us. You know, we know the old joke of, hey, hold my hoops. I'm about to deal with this. Spiritually, we go, uh, sorry, Vine. Please don't pay attention to this. I'm about to have to deal with something. And then go, okay, now I'm going to be coming grafted in. Um, better leave me alone. I'm connected with Jesus. No, we can't, we can't live that, that disconnected space. Our fruitfulness is found in staying connected with the vine. Verse 8 goes on to say, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Our continued connection with him is what shows that we're his disciples, the fruit that grows out of that. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We can't really live the joy-filled life in Christ that we're called to with intermittent connection with the vine. We're just not going to be able to do it. To have complete joy comes from staying completely rooted and connected in him. And that's what he wants for us. It's not about control. You stay with me and I'll control you. No, it's like you stay with me and I'm going to allow you to have the joy you're longing for. That is what this is completely about. Romans chapter 7 verse 4 says, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. Part of what Christ's death, burial, and resurrection created not just eternal life. We think of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection as simply this act that allowed us to have eternal life and be able to be with him forever. And praise God, that's it. But that's not all of it. 
Part of it is, is so that we can begin to be who we were called to be here. It's not just so we can be when we're called to go there. It's so that we can be who we're called to be here. We can bear much fruit here. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because Paul understood what Christ had done. He says, I'm not living my life the way I did before I understood what Christ had done. Now, I'm going to live based on the life, his life in me. See, the fruit of God in our lives is the nature of God in our lives. That's what he wants to produce. Remember, we were initially made in his image. We were created in his image, and he wants to produce his nature in our lives. Well, what does the nature of God look like? Okay, well, Galatians chapter 5 tells us this. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is what the Spirit is going to produce in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things, there is no law. All of a sudden, we are going to find that it does, those things do not encroach on anybody else's life. They don't violate anybody else's life. All of a sudden now, there has no restrictions placed on the nature of God. Why? Because it does good only. As we are allowing love to flow out of our life, joy to flow out of our life, peace and patience and kindness to flow out of our life, goodness to flow out of our lives. Remember last week, we talked about him being the good shepherd and going back to Psalm 23. That the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want it. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He does these things for me. And then we get to the end of the psalm and it says, and goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It's coming behind the impact, the fruit of allowing him to be your shepherd is all of a sudden we're gonna see this fruit showing up in our lives. Over and over again, all of these different metaphors piece together to show us what it looks like to connect with him. That he's our rock. He's our solid foundation. He's the one that we can entrust in and build our lives on. Well, how does it look to build our lives on the rock? Take his words, do what they said. We would say that would be Abiding in the vine, taking what he has to said seriously, allowing what's flowing through him to flow through us. All of these different metaphors overlap. And as we begin to connect them and put them together, we see the picture of what this life in Christ looks like. It's dynamic. It's life-giving. It impacts the people around us. It allows us to live the joy that we're wired for and we long for. 
That's the reason there are so many different apps and streaming channels because people are just looking for some sort of joy, some sort of something with meaning to get caught up in some sort of story that makes them feel like that something of consequence is going to take place when really we're called to be a part of his story. We're called to live the life he has called us to live. Because see, the fruit, it follows. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Keeps coming back to fruit. Growing in our lives. Making a difference. Impacting those around us. Throughout history, who has benefited from the fruit of a plant? In our day and age, with all the transportation and all of that different stuff, we get apples from Washington. We get stuff from all over the place. You go to HEB and there's produce from everywhere. But that's a new invention. That's a new thing over the last 50 years. Throughout history, the people who've enjoyed fruit, fruit will, will rot. It, it's, you can't just pack it up and ship it off real easy in general. People who've enjoyed the fruit of a plant are the people who are near the plant. The people who have enjoyed its fruit are those who are in proximity of that plant. It gets back to that space that who should be connecting with this love, this joy, this peace, this kindness, this goodness, this gentleness, this mercy. The 10 people closest to us in life. All of a sudden now, what God has called us to do, how God has called life to be impacted, it doesn't rely on technology, on streaming devices, on microphones, on apps to be able to do things. It's something that could have been done and when it was a total agrarian economy, when Jesus and his disciples were going around it's the exact same principle. You and I staying connected with Jesus, allowing that to be grown in our lives, showing ourselves to be as his disciples by the fruit in our lives and changing the immediate sphere around us. And guess what? All of a sudden they decide one day they're too gonna taste and see that the Lord is good. And then what happens? Their sphere gets connected and their sphere gets connected. The truth is, that's how you and I got to find out about Jesus. The gospel came to this region years ago, a long time, and it went from person to person to person. It wasn't broadcast via satellite. It didn't come here through the internet. It came person to person to person. The way it still functions best, the way it still works best is person to person to person. The fruit being showed up in our lives. And with this, this is a return to our initial design, our initial creation. 
Genesis 1.27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It's this God wants us to allow his nature to be revealed in our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. And Colossians 2, chapter chapter um, Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord how'd you receive Christ Jesus as Lord by faith you receive him by faith so just as you received him by faith continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught overflowing with thankfulness This is what God has called us to do and called us to be. He wants to reveal himself to us so that he can then reveal himself through us. Our bottom line this morning is this, that the root determines the fruit. The root determines the fruit. And if we're not rooted in Christ, then we're not gonna find Christ-like fruit in our lives. This echoes back to the very first poetic metaphor we looked at, which him being our rock, him being our sure foundation. And Jesus reminded us, says, you know, there are those who would want to build on the sand. They'd want to build on the pretty beach, access to the waves, be able to hang out and have that space, but that's not a safe space to build. No, you need to build on the rock you need to build on the rock we need to stay connected to the vine we need to let the good shepherd lead us and only then are we going to begin to see the fruit of what he's intended his nature to flow in and through our lives thanks for listening to this week's message from celebration church we hope you'll stay connected by following us online You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.